Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 123, where in a moment we welcome another guest, Kim Laxey of Mortgage Advice Bureau in Elgin, to tell us everything we need to know about credit-impaired mortgages. That's in a moment, as I say. Uh, But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes today, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney, heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last time we looked at credit cards. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Now, while you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, another guest in the show this week, Phil. This time, here to chat about credit-impaired mortgages is Kim Laxey of Mortgage Advice Bureau in Elgin. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. Now, before we get on to this week's topic, tell us a bit about you and your background. So I have been a mortgage advisor since 2000. I started off at one of the high street banks and in 2005 became what we call independent. So no longer tied to one bank and providing advice for the whole of the market. And after a few years of working for different companies, all well-known, I set up Mortgage Advice Bureau here in Elgin. So I've been self-employed, running this business for three years. And anyone that knows me will know I'm a bit of a mortgage geek. I absolutely, Hmm. I love it. I just absolutely love it. We've done various shows about mortgages in the past, but but never one on credit-impaired mortgages. Maybe you can explain what, what those are? Yeah, so we say credit impaired, but some people don't actually have any credit issues. They maybe just have a low credit score. And there's a massive difference between the two. So hopefully in this chat, we can look at the difference between someone that actually has impairment and is looking to gain a mortgage or even try and build their credit because of things that have happened in the past. But also bring into the attention the fact that some people just don't know about credit scoring. And sometimes we can educate them have a conversation a few months in advance before they're ready, which then means that they're not looking at credit impaired mortgages. They're then just looking at, you know, the high street interest rates that are on available at the time. I say it's like a, a credit impaired mortgage. It can be a lot of different things, kind of. And it's like for, for some people, it might just be that they've had the odd mispayment here and there. For others, it might have been that they've maybe been bankrupt at some point in time. And it's fine. I've seen over the years, it's been called a lot of different things. As I remember years ago, I used to get subprime mortgages. It was often referred to back in that days. And then sometimes people will say adverse credit mortgages. But like you say, Kim, there's a lot of different, it can be a lot of different things that, that come yeah. up. And one thing I was going to just say as well, when you were saying about your background, Mortgage Advice Bureau I'm right to say they're about the largest firm of mortgage brokers in the whole of the UK. Is that right? Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a lot of us, and we're all set up differently. So Mortgage Advice Bureau is a network that we work under. Some employees will be employees of Mortgage Advice Bureau, or some of their ARs, which is an appointed rep, and then some of us are self-employed. So um, we all have access to the same products but all have different capacities to provide advice, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been down to their head office in Derby before, and it's an impressive place. 
Uh, it three years you said you've been with working three through years. them. Yeah, three years. Am I allowed to say who I was previously with? If you want. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I um, I was with First Mortgage for a few years who um, it was it's known were taken over by Mortgage yeah. Freedom a few years ago. So it's actually been quite handy for me because a lot of the staff that I used to work with are now um, my compliance and um, and still the faces and the names that I've known for a long time. So yeah. it's it's very comfortable. <laughs> it's one thing, the financial service of world's quite a small place. It's so it? You come small. across a lot the, the same people all the time. But going back to our, our topic for today, what, what sort of situations do you find people coming to you in, Kim? I guess it would vary quite a bit, does it? Aye, it's really topical just now. And I was actually delighted to come on because... I've got so many clients just now. And as I said before, it's not just about adverse credit. And I think that this can be a bit of a stigma, if that's the right way to say it. A lot of people still feel financial services is maybe stuffy and they're ashamed or embarrassed to come out and just talk about things that have happened. And let's be honest, every single one of us have had some kind of blip. You know, life gets in the way. You've got redundancies where people have maybe gotten problems with our gas and electric bill, you know, very topical just now on the news. You've got folk that have maybe missed payments because, um, you know, divorce. There's there's loads and loads of different things that, that come up. And then, as I said, we've got things where we've just got people who are maybe young. They've missed credit card payments when they were at uni and don't, they're not aware that that's maybe leaving an impact on their score. It could be absolutely anything. And I really try and sort of put it out there on my social media and things the best thing to do is just be open understand your situation and once you understand your situation you can put a plan in place but it's it's about talking to the right person I think more than anything how how do you establish what kind of someone's financial position is do you mean when they get in touch yeah so how what would you kind of typically do would you get them to get a copy of their credit report, for example, to see what's what's on there. Would that be the sort of thing that you would do first? But yeah, so generally, you'll find that anybody that gets in touch, you always ask, "Do you have anything in the past that would cause your mortgage from being declined?" And you do find that people will just be honest about it. They'll say, "Oh, this has happened, or that's happened." When someone says that to me, the first thing I do is ask them to go get a copy of their credit file, and I always tell them, "This is not this is not a negative thing." This will allow me to see exactly what the banks and building societies are seeing. So it just cuts out all that time of applying, negatively affecting their credit even more. It saves them time, less heartache. And on their credit file, we're then able to just see exactly what the banks have got, which means that any advisor, certainly in my position, knows exactly what banks to approach and what banks to avoid. I think you mentioned there as well, just about being honest. And I think that's an important thing because I, I've seen it a lot of times in the past where people will, maybe if they're a bit embarrassed or, or you get some that deliberately try to cover things up. And like you say, it can actually do more damage because you maybe apply to one lender, it gets turned down. You think, oh, that's strange. I thought they would have got accepted by them. And then the more searches that somebody does, that can impact their credit rating and credit score. Yeah. But So that's that's quite an important point. Let, let me introduce a, a third option here as well, which is I imagine there are people that come to you and you say, look, do you have anything that, that would impact you get, you know, obtaining a mortgage? And they maybe don't know. They maybe haven't yeah. got a clue, yeah. right? which I, I, I think is something that we, we underestimate. Or you say to them, you know, how's your credit score? And they go, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you said to me before, Phil, that um, occasionally 
you know, someone might have a low credit score because they've never had credit. And I, I, I actually think that a lot of people are, you know, just going about their lives and they really don't have a clue about how all this works. So when you get, say, a copy of a credit report, Kim, what, what sort of details do you get from that? So you will generally see the last six years of someone's credit profile. On that, you're going to see who they bank with. You're going to see any credit um, agreements that they have. And this can be anything from like their sky and their gas and electric up to a mortgage, what loans they've got, what credit cards. It will show how those um, finance agreements have been maintained. So if they've been paid regularly and if they've been paid on time. And they'll also show if any of them have had missed payments defaults, um, county court judgments, we call them CCJs, if there's any bankruptcies. And it'll also show people that you're affiliated with as well. So if you're married or lived with someone, then it'll show the the, um, financial association between that person as well. Hmm. How long does, is the adverse information on there for life? How long does it stay in your credit file? No, the really positive thing is it's generally on for six years bankruptcy can potentially show for a little bit longer but six years and it's almost like this is going to make me seem quite unprofessional but (laughs) it's almost like some people can just wipe the slate clean you know as I said we all have these things that happen in our lives bad things happen to good people you know so having that date that you can look forward to having that date that you can plan with for example there's so many of my clients that have maybe been in touch with me and I'll say to them, look, have you got your savings in place? Or are you, are you ready to buy your house? They're probably not ready. So we might even have a conversation a year down the line, which gives them time to save for their deposit, understand the market a little bit. And we'll schedule a call in the future when, for example, a default drops off their credit file or if it's three or four years old. So just because these things are on your credit file doesn't mean they're going to be there and pestering you and hindering you forever. There's always an end date to these things. I know when back years ago I worked for the Skipton Building Society and we, we used to underwrite the mortgages then and the, the mm. things we would look at, there, there would be like missed payments on like um, credit cards, loans, missed payments on mortgages that didn't seem to like very much. Yeah. But you, you would then have like a default was when somebody maybe missed a payment for seven or eight times in a row. And if it got worse than that, it would be that there might be a county court judgment in place. And then eventually somebody might be like arrangements or they they may have been declared bankrupt if it got really bad. But so I guess there's different levels of of things there as well. But if if somebody had came to yourself, Kim, and they had maybe like a county court judgment or some sort of default, what what kind of deposit would they be looking to get or what what would lenders require them to have if they were looking at buying a property just now? So see, to be honest, it really depends on the level of the default in the the CCJ. There are lenders that are actually absolutely fine at lending 95%. What you'll tend to find is I call these lenders like our stepping stone advice or stepping stone products. So these are lenders that will... You know, take a risk on you. They'll look at it and say, right, how old is this default? How old is this CCJ? If it's over two years old and it's maybe been a one-off or you know, there's a couple of them and we can answer or we can explain why it's happened, they will honour the mortgage, but you'll pay a slightly higher interest rate for a period. And we use these mortgages to sort of cover you until the default or the CCJ is off the credit file. And then during that time, what you've done is you've paid a mortgage or you should be paying your mortgage, which will then also boost your credit profile and boost your credit score. So when you come out of the end of that product, 
you're then again ready to hit the high street, lower rates. Not to make you sound like a superhero, Kim, but <laughs> is there anyone that you can't help? Yeah, generally anyone that's still within their bankruptcy. That is a legal thing that the lenders can't overturn. So when someone is still in the middle of their bankruptcy, I generally just say to them, no, that it's not something that I can help them with. When you say that, is that a time-related thing sometimes? I mean, could it be like in the future you would be able to help them if they manage to get themselves? Yeah, the so, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So when someone goes into a bankruptcy, there's a discharge date. It depends on the bankruptcy itself. Sometimes it can be, I think, as little as a year now. And the rules are changing all the time. Phil can maybe answer that one. He's yeah, I think it's more... it certainly used to be a year. Yeah, so I think banks will consider lending like if we're a year clear. And again, you will pay a higher interest rate. But mm. what you tend to find is people often think that there is no hope. Um, so when you have that conversation with someone and say, look, it's actually okay, we can do this, you are going to have to pay a higher rate. But what you tend to find is that people are okay with that because they understand that that's happened in their past. And mm. again, it's all just part of rebuilding their score. And also they've gone from from a position what they thought was of no hope to actually having some. Yeah. So, you know, they'll invest in that. Now, yeah. I seem to recall we've done a show on this before. Maybe Phil can dig out the details as you answer this question. But what could people do to sort of get a better credit rating or score? How do you go about improving it, Kim? So I think, first of all, monitoring your score and understanding how it works. You already said that there's so many people out there that just have no idea what their credit profile is. So for as much as you have to pay for it, there are a lot of services out there that are free of charge. So you can look at the likes of Equifax, Experian, ClearScore. Clients will then be able to see what the lenders are seeing. You can take out some unsecured finance, for example, a credit card. I have had clients in the past that have said, ah, but you told me to take out a credit card and then they've went and maxed it out, you know, (laughs) down at Union Square. So using a credit card responsibly and what I mean by that is maybe utilising about sort of 30 to 40% of the credit card, either clean it off every single month or maintaining the payments, which then shows the credit companies that you are able to use credit without abusing it. Mm. And then in time, usually when I speak to clients about this and kind of give them a plan, usually within about six months, the, the credit score is building up. I think credit credit utilisation is a big thing for me just now. Um, A lot of people will be using their credit cards and for as much as they're keeping them within their limit, they're maybe really close to the limit. And what people are not understanding is that that can have a massive effect on your credit score. So if you can keep your credit cards down to about 30%, your, your credit score will be um, as, a, as good as it needs to be for any future finance. We, we did do a, a couple of shows previously on, the, I think the episode 16 was called Getting Ready to Take Out a Mortgage. And then episode 20, we did a whole show on like tips to improve your credit score and credit rating. And I think some of the things that we went through on that was things like being on the voters roll can help your yeah. score. Things like that, the credit utilisation, they use in like maxing out all your, your cards and things. So there's ways that folk can can do that. I, I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I, I go in and check my credit file quite regularly to make sure for fraud is one of the reasons. And again, John mentioned earlier that sometimes people can have things that they don't know about as well. I, I use a website called Credit Karma. 
and it's free. But like I've said in previous shows, you get bombarded with things saying, right, sign up to this and we'll help you improve your score. And so they're they're trying to make money out of it as well. And I, I think another one that I've came across is um, check my file. But again, it's one you pay for, but you, it can help you access different things. Because I know sometimes what I've seen in some occasions is something will show up and win credit like Equifax, but maybe doesn't show up in Experian. And I know some mortgage advisors will then think, right, we'll go with a lender that uses Experian or Equifax. And it's just like, I've seen things like that happening in, in the I'll past. I'll put my hands and, up. Uh, <laughs> I'll say, put my hands up to that. <laughs> I know. That's, that's one of the great things about somebody using a broker, because you've got the knowledge mm. of all that sort of things as well. Yeah. Can I just ask a quick question? I just go back to the credit cards for a second. You were saying there that, you know, if you can keep it down to sort of 30% of your your allowance on a credit card, then you'd have a better credit score. Would this make sense? Let's just say I'm about to max one credit card. If I was to transfer and actually get another credit card and then keep, you know, the, the levels down, but across more than one card, would that, would that help my credit score or would it not make any difference? Yeah, believe it. Well, so here's, I'm going to tell this is almost embarrassing. I'm telling this out to everybody. So I had a baby seven months ago and just before Christmas was doing a big sort of debt consolidation refinancing thing for myself, was moving credit cards onto interest-free, which you think, yeah, your financial advisors tell you that's a really good thing Mm -hmm. to do. It keeps the cost down. And like Phil, I actually use Experian for myself. And all of a sudden I get this ping through saying your credit score has dropped down to poor. Now, in our industry, we have, you know, we have obligations. We've got to ensure that our credit's okay. We have to disclose this. And I'm obviously sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, like, what have I done? So sometimes it's very much do as I say, don't do as I do. You know, like, I didn't expect that to happen. But because I'd done a number of searches to ensure that I was getting the best products, because I'd done all those searches at the same time, it had this big effect. Now, I'm not going to get myself caught up on it or worried about it. And I looked at my Experian advice and it said, if I don't do any more searches or take on any more um, unsecured credit, my score will be back up to where it was within three months. So that's also something that we discuss with clients. Like when I do my first um, first appointment, my first fact find, I'll say to someone, right, okay, you know, this is what we're planning to do with the mortgage. This is the mortgage agreed. Do not go and buy yourself a new car. Don't go through a big finance plan. You know, don't go and take out new credit cards and take yourself to Dubai because these things will have a negative effect. And it could potentially, it sounds scary, but it could potentially stop you from getting this mortgage at the time that you want. So, you know, we are talking about adverse credit, but there's also things that happen that can drop your score very, very quickly. And, you know, I think this whole conversation is very much just about people understanding what they're doing you know we can we can make amends for the stuff that's happened in the past it's also about taking control and I completely agree that it's just not it's not spoke about enough I would absolutely love this to be taught in schools I think mm-hmm. it's so important for <laughs> have, am I missed this boat has this been a chat I'm laughing because about every three episodes or so Phil <laughs> gets evangelical about the fact that yeah, this I'm with should, be taught, should be taught in schools, and he's, uh, you know, we all yeah. agree. I absolutely agree with that. Even, even like once a year in social education or something, there needs to be something that happens with regards to money. But yeah, I'll, I'll find the flag behind you, Phil. 
Huh? See, see, I was going to ask him, like, can you maybe explain to our listeners some of the benefits of somebody coming to the likes of yourself? Yeah, well, other guess, other than the chat. I, I guess as well. I mean, it's like you've got, I suppose one of the major benefits is the fact you can look at all the lenders. That's that's it, eh? But Yeah, absolutely. So I think having a mortgage advisor that you feel comfortable with, right, I think that's key. You know, you have to be prepared to talk openly. I try and make my clients feel as comfortable as possible, given like personal scenarios like myself here that's, that's happened. The more information you share with your mortgage advisor, the better. And just remember that they are on your side. You know, if, yes, the banks are going to obviously help me get paid their salary. But if you're speaking to an independent advisor, they don't get paid unless, you know, they get you your mortgage. So they are completely on your side and they will do all that they can to ensure that you get the best product. With myself, with us being independent, we have got hundreds, hundreds of um, lenders that we can use. And we all stay on top of the products and the services that are available, you know, so it's not like we're going to be using someone that we're not comfortable with. We will know from your credit file exactly who to use. We will be able to give you timescales. So if it can't happen right now, we can tell you when it can happen. Um, And we will know exactly what information to take from you as well. So there's not going to be the same... I'm going to say the word heartbreak again, you know, the frustration. If this is not something that you do every day, this is not your job, it can seem overwhelming. Um, but this is what we do every single day. This is our bread and butter. So it's it's a lot easier putting your trust into someone else. On previous shows, I've often said, like, the reason for using a mortgage broker, it's like, for example, contact Kim, let you do all the work, and then they enjoy their home. Or So it's yeah. that simple, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to say this. This is the one negative thing that really frustrates me. And I'm hoping that there's folk out there that are listening. North of the wall, we still have houses. You know, um, there are a lot of lenders out there that specifically deal in adverse credit or subprime, whatever way we want to call it, that just don't lend north in Scotland. And it absolutely riles me something else. If you're in the central belt, not a problem. But anything north of Dundee, it's like they think that, you know, we're still riding on cheap and living in crofts. Mm. So um, whoever's out there listening, can you please just take us into account and start putting the products up it's, here? It's <laughs> like we, we've got an office in Wick up in Caithness mm. and the postcode's KW which a lot of people think is, is Kirkwall, which is on Orkney. And it's yeah. the same. Some lenders won't lend on the Scottish islands. And sometimes you, you'll say to the lender, but no, it's on the mainland. Oh, no, it's KW Postcode. We've done a lend on that. And it's just like, yeah. oh, man. It's so we, frustrating. Yeah. With regards to that postcode thing, my advice could potentially be very different. An example is I've got a, a client who lives locally here to me in Elgin who we'd been having this conversation for about a year and a half, touching base regularly to see how things are progressing with our credit file. And then she came and told me that she was planning to move close to the borders. Instantly, I was like, oh, right, wait a minute, we can do this, this and this now. (laughs) You know, so yes, that is also another thing. Speak to someone that's local, that will know your market. A lot of clients will take to the internet themselves, get information, which on the face of it looks great. But in the reality... You know, we need to look at things that are that are local to where you live as well. Assuming you get into a situation where a lender is prepared to actually take you on, what sort of documentation would lenders want for people taking out this kind of mortgage, Kim? 
See, to be honest, it's exactly the same as any other any other mortgage. So they're going to look for your ID. They're going to look for evidence of your income, so your pay slips and your bank statements. Some lenders will look for evidence of the credit that we're looking to repay. But in fairness, as um, a regulated mortgage advisor, we have to take that anyway. There's things that we need to, to look at to make sure that the advice that we're given is correct and is accurate. So if we're looking at potentially um, consolidating debt or someone's had some credit impairment, we are going to personally ask for, for evidence of these you know, card payments or, or loan credit agreements. And it's not to cut anyone out. I think often folk think, oh, you know, this is a lot of documents. Why are you wanting yeah. this? It is really just to ensure that we're doing our jobs right. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I've got a, a faint recollection of this. When you've done 123 podcasts with Phil and it's not your specialty subject, you can be forgiven for not having immediate recall on this. But I think we might have touched on this at some point too. But if you have a couple and one had bad credit and the other was fine, <laughs> can you look at things just in one person's sole name? Yes. Yeah. Again, it very much depends on the lender, but that's up to the mortgage advisor to ensure that they go to the right lender for you. So if you are married or we are disclosing that you've got a partner living in the property, they may have to sign an agreement basically to state that they have no legal right over the property. But again, that's something that their solicitor would advise them on. But yeah, we can absolutely look at single person mortgages. Try, try to, not to find ways around things again, but I know in in the past I've had people ask, it's like, can you get a, a guarantor mortgage for, like if somebody had sort of like credit impairments, a, a guarantor mortgage is where somebody's kind of guaranteeing that that mortgage will be paid. Is that another way around things in this sort of situation at all? I don't know, actually. It's been a long time since I've done a guarantor mortgage. They don't seem to be as common as they used to. And generally, I i mean, you might be able to tell me differently, Phil, but my understanding is a guarantor mortgage would generally have to have OK credit in their own right. And that the guarantee is generally for income as opposed to credit. Yeah, I think they tend to like guarantor mortgages. They're, they're not as popular as what years and years ago, no. I remember, like they were always a, more of a thing then. And I, I, I kind of think they're more for like students or if somebody was trained to be a doctor, Lenders can yeah. see their income will go up. So I, I just wasn't aware of any that might... I, it's something that I've heard people asking in the past, but I didn't think there was any kind of real solutions for, for that. It's a question that comes up a lot. A lot of clients phone me and say, here's the situation, can I use a guarantor mortgage? And generally, for as much as it seems like a good idea, when you peel back the layers of what it is that they want to do, they would probably rather have the mortgage in their own right anyway without yeah. someone else backing them and because there's a lot of lenders now coming to the forefront who are offering these type of products then they can generally do it themselves it is, it is just about knowing what lenders to use yeah okay a lot of people are struggling just now if someone has unsecured debts and they've missed payments if they've got sufficient equity in their home do you think it would be possible for them to do a a debt consolidation remortgage to reduce outgoings. I mean, these these sort of come on and off the market. Where are we just now? Is this for Phil or for myself? For, for you, Kim, sorry. I would say, if possible, look to do your consolidation before you start missing your payments. There will always be lenders that are okay with some payments, but if they have been, for example, in the last six months, most of your high street banks are going to turn you down because the payments have been... Right then, you know, that there's their um, 
so new. If the payments have been over two years, then the majority of the lenders will be okay, which doesn't really make any sense because you're sort of like, right, I'm at the point where I'm missing the payments and I need to do the consolidation. So again, that's just knowledge. You know, before it gets too bad, before you miss your payments, don't bury your head in the sand. Do something before then and, you know, and get in touch with someone, whether it is getting in touch with your bank or a mortgage advisor, independent, it's it's before it gets to that point, I think. You're finding more, but just given like the financial crisis over the last couple of years and COVID and things, are, are you finding you're getting more people coming to you looking for like credit impaired mortgages? No, no, I don't know if, like, honestly, I don't know if the, the whole COVID situation has negatively affected my region. I, yeah. I, you know, I think we've been quite lucky. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's the industries that we've had. Yeah. But you know, we're we're lucky enough to live in quite a, you know, a, a wealthy enough area. Yeah. I think now the cost of living is having an impact more than what um what we experienced over the last couple of years. Yeah. And with every single remortgage that I am doing at the moment, I am asking the question. You know, is it something that you want to achieve? Are you looking to save money? Are you looking to get your costs down? But as advisors, you'll know yourself, we've got a responsibility, an ethical responsibility as well, to not be necessarily putting unsecured debts into secured debts. Yeah. It's very much about looking at what's right for your customer. And, you know, it might be a short-term saving, a higher interest rate that they're paying, and I think, again, that's really important for people to understand that, you know, we will talk about that and we will let people know if things are going to cost them more. They may decide to still go ahead with that because it's saving them the money that they need to now. Again, mm-hmm. it's just about chatting and understanding what someone is really looking to be able to do. I would imagine it's perhaps one of those situations where people might be sort of reticent to inquire. I know they shouldn't be, or or even be completely unaware that they could help find, find help from the likes of yourself, Kim. Hopefully this podcast has helped address that a little. So if someone wanted to get in touch, what's the best way to do that for you? Probably Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've obviously got the, um, my Mortgage Advice Bureau Elgin webpage, but I tend to find that good old social media, everyone seems to use that now more and more. So anyone that uses social media, Facebook or Instagram, can get in touch with me. They are, are of course, on the website. You deal, Kim, as well, with people all over the UK? Yeah. That's one great thing these days is you've got things like Zoom, Teams, even the, the telephone's a bit old-fashioned almost now, is it? But and that's one great thing, all these mediums. It means that you can help people all over the country as well, I guess. COVID was a big change for me. So every single appointment that I did was face-to-face. I think that when you can look at someone, you can sort of connect with them a little bit more than someone just over the phone. But then obviously with COVID, there was a lot of folk at home, you know, with their feet up. I was still working. I was busier than than ever. And that brought in a lot of industry upgrades. So we can speak to anybody anywhere. Zoom, Teams, phone, whatever they prefer. And the systems now have also been updated so that people can actually send their ID in directly as well without having to, you know, hand deliver passports yeah. and things. For for the Facebook page you mentioned, is it Mortgage Advice Bureau Elgin? Is that the, the name of the page? Yeah. So Mortgage Advice Bureau, as we mentioned at the start of the chat, is huge. So the only way of getting to me directly is by putting the Elgin 
tag on the end to that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get on to our quote of the week in just a sec. But first, let's take a look at how this week's topic has affected Phil's own life in one way or another. Phil, our subject, as you know, is credit-impaired mortgages. What have you got on that subject from your own experience? Uh, I, I remember years ago, somebody looking for a mortgage and went through the bank statements. I may have been working at Skipton at the time. I cannot remember. It's probably a long time ago anyway. But I remember seeing this on the bank statements. It said Scott & Co. Now, in our area... Scott & Co are the company that deal with council tax arrears. Now, sometimes council tax arrears won't necessarily show on your credit file. If, if it goes to court and you end up with a court judgment, then it likely would show up on there. But I remember, I saw this Scott & Co. So as soon as I seen it, I remember thinking, oh, I know exactly what this is for. It'll be council tax arrears. So I asked the, the person, that's said, oh, look, What's this for? And they try to get around it by saying it's like, oh, it's Alex Scott and Co. It's a kilt maker in Aberdeen. (laughs) We're trying to say that they're honestly trying to say that their council tax arrears was like paying up a kilt. We dressed our entire clan. Yeah, (laughs) I know it's crazy. The thing is, is, though, I've had not a similar story, but you'll often have like the husband not telling the wife or the wife not telling the husband what's going on. So they could have said that story to each other. (laughs) I've seen that. Honestly, I've seen that before as well, where like somebody came in and they were looking to remortgage. It wasn't with myself. It was with one of the guys and it was the same. The wife had wrapped up a lot of debt and she was trying to take out a secured loan, but without her husband knowing. And it's like, oh man, you see, see all sorts of things, do you, Kim? Do you know, we should do a spin-off show, Phil. We should do a spin-off show called It It Should Never Happen to a Financial Advisor and we'll just set up a microphone (laughs) and a coffee table and just let you all have at it. <laughs> oh, okay. you could write. I mean, we could do a whole episode on oh, funny huh. stories, but on things like that. The that's one thing that I would stress is that if somebody is speaking to a mortgage advisor or financial advisor, evidence confidential. So that's yeah, that's the, the thing I would Can say. We do as that well. show. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to do that show. Let's do this bit now. Oh yeah, absolutely. We've 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 talked about this before, and and Phil said, "Oh, I remember one time when I said, Phil, you can't talk about that.'" And, and and there was a lot of that. Let's do this bit now, Phil. It's the, the quote of the week, the part of the show where you've got a quote on the relevant subject topic. And because you've always loved and benefited from inspirational quotes throughout your life, what have you got in this one? It's credit impaired mortgages. What are you going to go for here? I don't know who came away with this quote, but the, the quote this week, bad credit is only a temporary situation. Take control of your credit rating. Good one. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in just a minute. I'll give it to you after these. And Kim, because you're our guest this week, we've chosen to focus on a couple of mortgage-related queries. Feel free to chip in with anything you feel might be relevant at any stage, being a mortgage geek as you are. This is the first one. The fixed rate of my mortgage is due to end in August this year. I'm worried about rates being higher and wondered if I should look at the options sooner. What do you think, Phil? I'd say I think a lot of lenders now, they, they'll offer you a different deal earlier than what they used to before. And Kim will, will know the answer to this, but I think I'm right in saying that some of them will allow you to do a new product up to about six months earlier these yeah. days, I think. Yeah, yeah. So especially over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of improvements with some of the products that are offered with the lenders. So six months in advance, and we can look at switching products with your current lender. Some of the lenders will allow you to go into products now with the option of coming out and going into a new rate if they reduce rates and there's something better on the table before the mortgage completes. 
But to answer the question, yes, without a doubt, it is worth reviewing because if anybody is worried about their mortgage going up, there are other things that we can look at. It's not just all about interest rates. We can look to move lenders. You can look at extending the term. It may be that you want to consolidate, which is going to reduce your payments anyway. And the sooner you do it, the safer and the more secure you're going to feel about any changes that's about to happen. So I keep saying this over and over again today, but it's very much about just customers taking control and understanding what their options are and not leaving things to the last minute, not burying your head in the sand and then having, you know, having a fright when it comes about. It's going to happen. You've got six months. Let's look at it straight away for you. Next up, here's one from Alex in Dingwall who says, my ex-partner took out credit in my name. Now that we've split up, I'm worried she'll not make the payments on the loan. If she misses a payment, will this impact my credit score? She's had missed payments before, and this is why it was taken out in my name. Phil. Ah, it's a, we've seen this uh, question come up before, <laughs> and it's one of those ones where I feel sorry for them because you can see that at the time they thought, right, it's a way around it, but... Unfortunately, because the debt's in their name, it's if there's missed payments on it, it's going to impact their credit rating. So mm. whoever's name the credit is in, it's them that's liable for it. Yeah, bad news on that one. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now. And we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 123 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thanks to our guest uh, taking us through today's topic, Kim Laxey of Mortgage Advice Bureau in Elgin. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we will not use your real name if that is how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whenever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John. Thanks a lot for coming on, Kim. 